This is the Bible in one year, day 294. Living content. Her hands were full of rings, bracelets, necklaces, chains and other treasures. Torrents of lava were erupting and pouring down from Mount Vesuvius in AD 79. As she fled, this woman was not prepared to leave behind her valuable jewels. Encumbered by her treasures, she was overwhelmed by the rain of ashes from the volcano and was buried under it. During the course of modern rebuilding operations, her petrified body was found outside the area of the buried city of Pompeii, an ancient Roman port. Her body was unearthed in a sea of jewels. She lost her life in an attempt to save her treasures. Jesus warned us that ultimately you have to choose between money and God. In the New Testament, there's no ban on private property or making money or even enjoying the good things of life. The command to the rich, however, is that they do not put their hope in wealth. A selfish accumulation of wealth and an unhealthy obsession with material things will never bring contentment. What promises security leads to perpetual insecurity. Ultimately, contentment only comes from putting your hope in God. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The promise of God's word is that those who put their hope in God find a firm foundation and take hold of the life that is truly life. From Psalm 119. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause. But I will meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me, those who understand your statutes. May I wholeheartedly follow your decrees, that I may not be put to shame. Hope in God's word and invest your time in it. Time is your most valuable possession. You can make more money, but you cannot create more time. How you spend your time is evidence of where your hope lies. If your hope is in God and his word, then you will invest time in them. Psalmist places his hope firmly in God's word, for I have put my hope in your word. What does this mean in practice? Spend time seeking to understand God's word. Meditate on it. Delight in it and learn it off by heart. When you're going through difficult times, continue to trust God's word. Your testing has taught me what's true and right. Trust in God's faithfulness, unfailing love and compassion. Spending time with God is the way in which God breathes his wisdom into you. He comforts you so that you can live, really live, live whole and holy, soul and body, and always walk with your head held high. If you live like this, it will encourage others to do the same. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me. Likewise, 
It is encouraging for us to see other people who are hoping in God's word. Lord, as I put my hope in your word today, may I be an encouragement to others. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me. New Testament from 1 Timothy 6 If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time, God the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Hope in God and not in wealth. The Apostle Paul begins this passage by warning against those who teach false doctrines, rejecting godly teaching and the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ. These people have an unhealthy interest in controversies and disputes. These false teachers cause constant friction between people of corrupt mind who've been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a mean to financial gain. 
Paul's words about wealth in this passage apply to everyone, especially to those of us who live in the West, where we are rich in comparison to so much of the world. Paul writes, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Don't be tempted to think that you would be more content if you had more money, provided that you have food and clothing. Be content with what you have materially. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment is worth more than all the wealth you could possibly accumulate. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Paul is often misquoted as saying money is the root of all evil. What he actually says is the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money can do a lot of good, but the love of money is extremely dangerous. Lust for money brings trouble and nothing but trouble. Going down that path, some lose their footing in the faith completely and live to regret it bitterly ever after. Whether you are very wealthy or have scarcely any money, the danger is the same, to love money. The temptation is there, whether it is to love money you already have or money that you would dearly love to have. Instead of loving and pursuing money, love and pursue a righteous life, a life of wonder, faith, love, steadiness, courtesy. Paul urges Timothy to fight the good fight of the faith. The fight starts with our hearts and minds focused on Jesus. He does not command them to give all their money away but not to put their hope in it. If you get your attitude towards money sorted out, it will sort out almost every other area of your life. Paul gives five ways to sort out your attitude to money. First, don't be full of yourself. One of the dangers attached to wealth is arrogance. Tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves. Second, don't put your security in wealth. We enter the world penniless and we'll leave it penniless. Wealth provides only a false security. Quit being so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. The real measure of our wealth is how much we would be worth if we lost all our money. Third, put God first. Put your hope in God, who richly provides you with everything for your enjoyment. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the good things of life. God provides all good things for our enjoyment, but recognize that it all comes from him and it all belongs to him. Fourth, do all the good you can. Paul urges the wealthy to do good and to be rich in helping others. Don't focus on how much money you can make, but how much good you can do. It is possible to be materially rich, but spiritually poor. Equally, it's possible to be materially poor, but rich in good deeds. Fifth, share your resources. John Wesley said, When I have money, I get rid of it quickly, lest it find a way into my heart. Generosity is the way to break the hold of money in our lives. Be extravagantly generous. Everything you own ultimately comes from God. Therefore, be willing to share it with others. Francis Bacon said, Money is like manure. It's not good unless it's spread around.
Lord, help us not to put our hope in wealth, but to be content and to put our hope in you. Help me to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Old Testament from Jeremiah 46 and 47 This is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the nations. Concerning Egypt, this is the message against the army of Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, which was defeated at Carchemish on the river Euphrates by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. Prepare your shields, both large and small, and march out for battle. Harness the horses, mount the steeds. Take your positions with helmets on, polish your spears, put on your armor. What do I see? They are terrified, they are retreating, their warriors are defeated. They flee in haste without looking back, and there is terror on every side, declares the Lord. The swift cannot flee, nor the strong escape. In the north by the river Euphrates, they stumble and fall. Who is this that rises like the Nile, like rivers of surging waters? Egypt rises like the Nile, like rivers of surging waters. She says, I will rise and cover the earth. I will destroy cities and their people. Charge, you horses. Drive furiously, you charioteers. March on, you warriors, men of Cush and Pat who carry shields, men of Lydia who draw the bow. But that day belongs to the Lord, the Lord Almighty, a day of vengeance for vengeance on his foes. The sword will devour till it is satisfied, till it has quenched its thirst with blood. For the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will offer sacrifice in the land of the north by the river Euphrates. Go up to Gilead and get balm, virgin daughter Egypt. But you try many medicines in vain. There is no healing for you. The nations will hear of your shame. Your cries will fill the earth. One warrior will stumble over another. Both will fall down together. This is the message the Lord spoke to Jeremiah the prophet about the coming of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to attack Egypt. Announce this in Egypt and proclaim it in Migdol. Proclaim it also in Memphis and Tarpanese. Take your positions and get ready, for the sword devours those around you. Why will your warriors be laid low? They cannot stand, for the Lord will push them down. They will stumble repeatedly. They will fall over each other. They will say, Get up, let us go back to our own people and our native lands, away from the sword of the oppressor. There they will exclaim, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, is only a loud noise. He has missed his opportunity. As surely as I live, declares the king, whose name is the Lord Almighty, one will come who is like Tabor among the mountains, like Carmel by the sea. Pack your belongings for exile, you who live in Egypt, for Memphis will be laid waste and lie in ruins without inhabitant. Egypt is a beautiful heifer, but a gadfly is coming against her from the north.
The mercenaries in her ranks are like fattened calves. They too will turn and flee together. They will not stand their ground, for the day of disaster is coming upon them, the time for them to be punished. Egypt will hiss like a fleeing serpent as the enemy advances in force. They will come against her with axes like men who cut down trees. They will chop down her forest, declares the Lord, dense though it be. They are more numerous than locusts. They cannot be counted. Daughter Egypt will be put to shame, given into the hands of the people of the north. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, I am about to bring punishment on Ammon, God of Thebes, on Pharaoh, on Egypt, and her gods and her kings, and on those who rely on Pharaoh. I will give them into the hands of those who want to kill them. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and his officers. Later, however, Egypt will be inhabited as in times past, declares the Lord. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel. I will surely save you out of a distant place, your descendants from the land of their exile. Jacob will again have peace and security and no one will make him afraid. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, for I am with you, declares the Lord. Though I completely destroy all the nations among which I scatter you, I will not completely destroy you. I will discipline you, but only in due measure. I will not let you go entirely unpunished. Jeremiah chapter 47 This is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the Philistines before Pharaoh attacked Gaza. This is what the Lord says. See how the waters are rising in the north. They will become an overflowing torrent. They will overflow the land and everything in it, the towns and those who live in them. The people will cry out. All who dwell in the land will wail at the sound of the hoofs of galloping steeds, at the noise of enemy chariots and the rumble of their wheels. Parents will not turn to help their children. Their hands will hang limp. For the day has come to destroy all the Philistines and to remove all survivors who could help Tyre and Sidon. The Lord is about to destroy the Philistines, the remnant from the coasts of Kaftor. Gaza will shave her head in mourning. Ashkelon will be silenced. You remnant on the plain, how long will you cut yourselves? Alas, sword of the Lord, how long till you rest? Return to your sheath, cease and be still. But how can it rest when the Lord has commanded it, when he has ordered it? to attack Ashkelon and the coast. Hope in the Lord and not in powerful people. Some people put their hope in riches. This is what the Moabites and Ammonites did. Others put their hope in powerful people as the Egyptians did. The prophet Jeremiah realized that the Lord, Yahweh, was not just the national God of Israel, but the Lord over all nations of the world. He was given a message by the Lord for Egypt and the other nations. 
He warned against relying on Pharaoh in spite of the fact that he was one of the most powerful people in the world. Those who trust in Pharaoh are heading for trouble. By contrast, he promises that those who serve him, but you, my servant, you have nothing to fear. There's no need to worry. Depend on it. I'm on your side. I'm not finished with you yet. In Christ, he promises to you also peace, security, and contentment. He is with you. You do not need to be afraid. Ultimately, it is the Lord alone who is our hope. As Pope John Paul II put it, Christ is the source of hope for the whole world. Jesus Christ is our hope. Lord, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Help me always to put my hope in you and serve you only. May my trust never be in money, powerful people or anything else. May my trust and contentment always be in you. Pippa adds, Psalm 119 verse 79 says, May those who fear you turn to me. There are so many things I'm tempted to fear in life, but there is only one right fear, and that is of the Lord.